today I'd like to talk about, or I had mentioned last week, uh, certain ideas which I think, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people would find uh, to be very interesting. Um, the concept of Ashkenazim and the concept of Svardim, which I mentioned last week, <clears throat> you see. <clears throat> so in order to begin that, uh, we have to uh, go into a very important area, which I had spoken a little about before, and that is that who are the people responsible really, to do what's called a tikkun? That's the question. Uh, we call that a misakein, uh, uh, but you would say metaken. Who are those people who are supposed to correct or repair the creation itself? <clears throat> now, the essential idea we know uh, is that there are some, there are two, re when you think about it, there are several realities or dimensions that, that exist. One is the dimension of God himself, and the reality, that reality of God, we have absolutely no concept of what that is. Uh, we do not know who he is, really. We don't know uh, who, how he exists, who he is in and of himself, uh, and, and, and so on. We don't know how he creates or anything like that. But we do know that he exists. And what he decided to do is to create a reality other than him. And that reality is called Zuato, which means other. And therefore God created a reality which is other than him. And that was a creation, you see. Because it had to be brought out from something out of nothing. Because before that, nothing else existed but God, nothing. That's a very important idea. So anything that God created has to be, or anything that exists besides Him, has to be brought from nothing into something. It has to be created. So what He did is He created several realities. And these are all called Zulato, which means other than Him. So the first thing that he created was the concept of Olam Habo. What does that mean? Well, I, I'm not going to go into the whole idea, but he created a reality uh, that really is the future world. And we do not know really anything about that, but it is a very different reality than we, that we are in. And then when, now in that reality, God is manifest which means that he is exposed. In that reality, you can experience God. Besides the reality of what he called Olam uh, Habo, he also called, uh, he created a reality called Olam Hazeh, this world, or the present world. Now, what that reality is, is a reality which we understand uh, is not Olam Habo, it is the reality that is part of us. Now, that reality itself is divided into different aspects or different kinds, you see. That reality has four different 
levels of reality. One level of reality is called Atzilut, which is a reality that the presence of God inhabits, nothing else. And it is in that reality that God can be known, so to speak. The second reality is called Olambria, which is a reality that has angels, Malachim, but mostly it has, um, well, it has a very high order Malachim, and it is also the reality that God created in which the Nishamot originate. Then there's a reality below that, which is called Yitzira, and that is a reality primarily inhabited by Malachim. And there are t- ten different categories of Malachim. So that is a reality called Yitzira. And then finally he created the, the lowest reality, which is called Asiya. on my charger. What was that? I my charger here. Mute yourself. Please mute yourself. In any case, so God created a fourth reality, and all four are called Olam Hazer, which is called Olam Asiya, the world of action, because this is a world that action has to be done. And that itself consists of two sub-areas. One area is a physical universe, the universe that we inhabit, and the second aspect of that reality of Olam Asiyah is spiritual, and it contains seven different heavens. That's what it's called. Each one is different, but they're all part of Olam Hazer. It is dominated by, uh, besides the Shamot, uh, it's dominated by Malachim, uh, by Shadim, uh, by all kinds of things that we can, in a certain sense, experience. In any case, that's the four realities, which is called Olam Hazeh. And then there's a reality above that, which is called Olam Habo. And Kabbalistically, that is called Adam Kadmon, which means primordial man. That's what it's called. <clears throat> uh, and that is the future world, which ultimately, in the end, will be the only world that exists, you see. Now, what God therefore now wants, now what he also did, is he created Sfirot. A Sfira is a force. It is a spiritual force of which the, what really is, is unknown. But it is a force which God uses, and that force can create realities, you see. Um, and he has basically ten sfirot. There are ten of these forces that God created, and he uses them. And all ten create all the realities. They create the first reality, which is the highest, which is the future world. And then what happens is they diminish in their output like a thousand watt bulb that diminishes in its output, its light, and it becomes dimmer. They also diminish in their output, and because of that, the realities that they create 
is much more gross and they diminish further and further and they create the future world Olam Haba and they also create the four lower worlds which is called Olam you see <clears throat> so they are actual forces that create all the realities that are, that are part of what's called the Briya this creation and that's an important idea now we inhabit of course the fourth level which is Olam Asiya which is the bottommost level and that is physical now we understand that what determines the type of the reality is to what extent does the Sfirot ten of them diminish in terms of the output there you call the output or or illumination it's not really a light but obviously it, it means some type of a force that they can create uh, and they create realities but they diminish in power purposely so therefore the product of what is created is also diminished finally they create a reality called Oilam uh, Asiya which is the bottom or the last reality of this world and they create it and um, as a result of that you now have five distinct realities other than God like I said you have Odom Kadmon which is the primordial man and that is the highest reality or which nobody knows what it is and that is the reality that all the Nishamot will exist in the future that is Olam Habo. And then you have Olam Hazet, which consists of four realities. And each one of them has different aspects to it. But the main idea is that they're all created based on the diminishment of the output of the Sfirot. You see. Now, God now takes the Nishama. Now, the origin of the Nishamot is in the... Um, third reality from the bottom which is Briya it's part of Olam Hazer and the origin of the Nishama is in Olam Briya which means that its origin is there however that Nishama can travel to a certain extent or it spreads all the way to Olam Asiya and then it's inserted into a physical body so really, each person has a nishama that is separate and distinct from his physical body. Because the physical body is part of the reality of Oilamasiya, the lowest part, which is the physical universe. But the nishama is inserted into that guf. And therefore, every person is a combination of a nishama is a spiritual aspect soul and also a physical body that's what the uh, the Nishama does <clears throat> now this is very, very obviously very important and so on now what God wants is the following he want, he makes the Svirot diminish in their output their ore or their illumination and therefore they create realities which are lower and lower and lower until he gets to the physical universe 
and then he creates a physical body, <clears throat> and the physical body uh, now has the neshama, which spreads from Oilam Bria, the world of creation, all the way down to Oilam Asiyah, which is interesting. <clears throat> now, therefore what God wants is the following. The lower you get, the more concealed is the presence of God. And that's a very important idea. It's called Hester, which means concealment. What is concealed really? What is concealed is the reality of God <clears throat> as the only thing that really exists. Everything else is an emanation from God, even though we don't see it. We don't realize this. But we all emanate from God. But to us, that's invisible. We don't see that. <clears throat> if we were able to leave the body, so to speak, if our consciousness could leave the body and go up, let's say into the world above this, which is Yitzirah, then the reality of God would become much greater, much greater, where it would be obvious that God exists. Because in a certain sense, you can actually feel His presence. If you go up high the Yitzirah, and you go into what's called Briah, then the presence of God is much greater. So the Malachim that reside or inhabit Olam Briah <clears throat> are much closer to understanding God than the Malachim below. Because both in Yitzirah and Briah, the presence of God is incredibly manifest. It's like walking in, a, in the outside, you know, uh, and, and the sun is shining brightly. That's how obvious is the presence of God. <clears throat> now, if you go higher into Atzilut, then that is, in many ways, that is the greatest manifestation that God has allowed. That's the Shekhinah. And therefore, uh, in terms of what He wants people to realize who He is. <clears throat> Although that is not really who He is, it's merely a, uh, what's called uh, a, an expression or some type of a manifestation of His presence. But it's not Him. Because He is above all the worlds, really. And it is unknown who He is or where He is, and so on. Uh, now, if you go from there, Atzilut, into Odom Kadmoin, which is the future world, then that is the greatest experience you will ever have of God because there is the greatest manifestation of God that ever will be. And what is interesting is that Oilam Habo, the future world, is a manifestation that it's not that you, you're in Oilam Habo and you experience God at a certain degree. No. Because in Oilam Habo, the degree of his manifestation or his presence increases daily, if you want to use the word daily, you see. So therefore, Oilam Abba is an infinite place that exists in infinite time. And every day that you're there, you experience more and more of God. Now, we don't know what that means. 
but there is a steady, a steady growth and experiencing of God in Oilam Habo. And that is why Oilam Habo is infinite. It never ends. Because the experiencing of God in a greater and greater way never ends. You see. So this are, these are the five levels of reality that God created. But what does God want? Well, obviously, as long as you're in the physical world, you cannot experience God at all. You see, I mean, you can experience a certain very low level of presence. And that is the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash had a Shekhinah, which is a level of presence, but extremely minute. Yet for this world, it's incredible. But it is the lowest manifestation of his presence, the Shekhinah, in this world. So if you went to the Beit HaMikdash, you know, on the holidays and whatever, you know, as you went out, you, went, you made the pilgrimage and so on, you would actually feel something in the Beit HaMikdash. In fact, if you go today to the Kotel, you know, you can actually feel a sort of presence of God. Because the Shekhinah never really left. Although the Shekhinah itself is severely diminished from what it used to be, it is still there, you see. <clears throat> so when you go to the Kotel and you experience something there that's different than anywhere else, you are really experiencing somehow the Shekhinah or the presence of God, <clears throat> you see. <clears throat> now, the question is, okay, how do we get from Ulam Hazeh, which is this world, physical world, well, how do you get to Ulam Habo? Well, I, I'm not going into how you get there in terms of what you have to do, in terms of, uh, yeah, or what you have to do. But what is interesting is the way you get to Ulam Habo is you need to change Ulam Hazeh, especially the world of Asiya, which is the lowest world, you need to change it back into Ilam Habo. Yeah, that's right. That's called Zikuch. Zikuch means to purify. It means to make purification of the physical matter. Where physical matter actually begins to change. It becomes translucent and then transparent. You see. So by doing that, you actually change the reality of this world, of the physical world, which is Olam Asiyah, you actually change it into a spiritual domain, and it takes time, but ultimately the physical world itself becomes Olam Habo. So that's really where Olam Habo is. Where is the future world? It is here. However, it is now in a physical form. But the purpose is to change the form, to retransform Oilam Hazet, which is the physical universe, which is Oilam Asiyah, to retransform it into Oilam Habo. You know, a good example is water. Water has three forms. It has the form called ice, then it is water, liquid, then it's a gas called water vapor. But it's still water. 
but it has different forms. Well, if you have an ice, you know, a bar of ice, whatever, you want to change it, you need to heat it. You need to apply heat. But if you apply heat, you'll change the ice into water. And if you apply more heat, you'll change the water into steam, which basically is water vapor. You see? So therefore, it's the same idea. This physical universe is like ice. It has, it's very dense. It's very gross. But what God wants is what's called zikuch. He wants the Jewish people to change the physical matter higher and higher until ultimately the physical world turns into Ilam Habo, the future world. Which is interesting. That's what happens. And that takes a long time, you see. <clears throat> so the first thing that happens is this. That, and that's called Tikkun. Tikkun means to repair the world. Why? Well, to repair something means that it was damaged. And it was. Because originally the reality of everything was Oilam Habo. was called Odom Kadmo in Primordial Man. The future world. But then, in a certain sense, it was damaged. Now, we know it was damaged because the Sfirot diminished their output. So therefore the reality became darker, grosser, you see, until finally it diminished to such an extent where the reality became physical. <clears throat> so therefore what God wants is to change the physical world into Oilem Yitzira, which is the one right above us. Then he wants the, that Oilem Yitzira to change into Bria, Bria. And then he wants the Bria to change into Atzilut. And then he wants to change Atzilut out of Oilem Hazeh into Oilem Habo, which is Oilem Habo. See? <clears throat> so really, <clears throat> the way we experience Oilem Habo is by changing the nature of Oilem Hazeh. And that's what happens. So, it takes, to start the process, takes 6,000 years. And that's the Tikkun process. That's how long it takes to begin to, like to, uh, to pull the switch. Okay, now, <clears throat> so, for 6,000 years, the Jews labor to begin the process. Then the world changes from the year 6,000, which is the English year 2240, it changes, takes a thousand years, it changes, for, you know, it's at the end of 6,000, the world now changes into Oilem Yitzira, which is the world right above it, and it remains that way for a thousand years. And then, in 7,001 until 8,000, it changes into Bria, higher. And then from 8,000 to 9,000, it changes into Atsilut. And then beginning from 9,000, it changes into Ilim Habo. You see? So really what it is, you can begin to look at the, the uh, stages 
you see, which I will go through. So basically the first stage is the physical stage, and that stage is where the Jews create the ability of zikuch, where zikuch can now take place. In other words, purification can now take place. That is zikuch, you see. Now, after 6,000, and I'm skipping over the Messianic era, and you'll, you'll understand where that fits in. So, like I say, from 6 to 7, the whole creation changes to Yitzira. From 7 to 8, into Bria. From 8 to 9, into Atzilut. And from the beginning of 9,000, it becomes Oilam Habo. And that world of Oilam Habo grows, but it doesn't change to another reality. In other words, whatever that reality is remains, but not in the same exposure of the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah gets greater and greater, and we are able to experience the Shekhinah greater and greater, you see. So, it's a process. It's a process that starts off with Adam, or actually it starts off with God creating everything. And like I say, He does that by diminishing the ore of the spheres. And they create different realities. And they create five of them. What God wants is to reverse the process, you see. And He reverses the process by changing Asiyah into Yitzirah, into Briah, into Atzilut, and then into Ilam Habo, which is Adam Kadmoin, or primordial man. You see? That's what he does. But the question is, how? So we now understand what happens. The Tikkun, and this is the Tikkun process. Uh, you see, but the question is, how do we do this? And the answer is, well, the only way to change reality from one into the next, or from a lower one into a higher one, is you've got to get the Svirot to illuminate more. Because the way it diminished, or the way the reality got worse, is because the Sfido diminished, you see. So the way to get it to change, or the way to change reality, is you need to get it to illuminate more. So therefore, what the Jew does, and this is the secret of what he does, when the Jew does a mitzvah, as we will see, a mitzvah is a, switch or a trigger it triggers greater ore or illumination or power from the sfirot and they therefore shine and they therefore change the reality from the lowest reality which is asiya to the highest which is called ilum habo or odum kadmain you see that's how you do it you must get the Svirot to shine or to illuminate or to give out tremendous amount of Kiddushah, holiness or power. And that's what reverses the entire sequence, the original sequence of creation. And it reverses it. Now the ones who do that are the Jews. They are called the Metaknim. Metaknim. They are the ones who repair, you see. If you think about it, 
What a Jew really is, he's a repairman. If something's wrong with your car, what do you do? You bring it to a mechanic. So a mechanic repairs cars. If a person doesn't feel well, whatever, he goes to a doctor. So a doctor has to repair the health of the body. Electricians repair broken wires. Plumbers repair broken pipes that carry water or whatever. What does a Jew do? He does the same thing. He repairs. But what does he repair? What he repairs is the state of existence from a physical state unto the highest spiritual state of all, which is the future world. So when you think about it, that's why we are mitaknim. Uh, we repair, you see. But what we repair is the greatest of all, you know, re uh, uh, repairment and so on. Because we actually repair reality. And the reality that we repair is we bring in more and more presence of God. Because ultimately that's what the Sfirot do. When the Sfirot illuminate, what they illuminate is the presence of God. That's what they illuminate. Uh, you see. And that's the repair service that the Jews do. The greater the presence of God, the, the greater the degree of the Sfirot, the greater is the repair, you see. And that's really the difference between all the Olamot. Between all the five Olamot, the difference is, to what extent is God present? At the lowest level in Ilam Hazer, He's barely present. But as you get higher, He's more and more visible or present. And as you get higher, He's more visible. And the greatest visibility of God, and therefore you experience the greatest aspect of God, is in Ilam Habbo. And nobody, nobody, including the greatest Malachim, angels, they have no concept, no comprehension of what that reality is. In other words, even though, for instance, in Olam Briah, they have the greatest Malachim, obviously, and the reality or the presence of God is unbelievable. We cannot even begin to imagine what the presence of God is in that reality. That is infinitely zero compared to the reality of God in the future world. Can you imagine what that means? We can't. In other words, the difference between Briya and Odom Kadmoin, which is the reality of the future world, is infinite. So could you imagine what awaits a person that actually makes it to the future world? Now, we can begin to ask, okay, this is very interesting. We now understand... <clears throat> You know, what the essential idea of creation is, it's different realities, different worlds, that's what it's called in Kabbalah, and each world varies depending on the experiencing of God, you see. So each reality, as we get lower, hides more and more God. And if you go higher, it reveals more and more God. But this is only from the beginning of the year 7,000 which is the Eng 6,000, I should say, which is the English year 2240, which, by the way, is 210 years to go, or I should say 220 years to go. 
But the question is, okay, but what's the difference between the reality of Mashiach? What happens in the Messianic era, you see? Well, we know what happens from Adam after the sin until the Mashiach will come, Mashiach bin Yosef. And that's basically that the world is physical, you see? So in the beginning of the physical world, right, there was a, an experience in God. There was a Shekhinah because the Jews had the Beit HaMikdash, right? The first one was 410 years. And the second one was 420 years. So there was an ability, so to speak, of experiencing the Divine Presence. But once that ends, you see, and this is the Zman of Tikkun. So the Jews have done the Tikkun, and now Mashiach bin Yosef arrives. Now, the, the job of the Mashiach bin Yosef, like I said, is to change the reality of Galut, the reality where God is concealed, you see, to a reality which is called the Messianic era, where God is revealed. But what is interesting is that God is revealed not where He is in Yetzirah and above, you see. What is revealed in the reality of Olam Hazeh, because the Messianic era is the last era in Olam Hazeh. It is not the era of the spiritual worlds. But it is the last reality of Olam Hazeh. But that reality, God reveals Himself in a way which, again, is incomprehensible. But the difference is, is that you don't see, because the reality itself doesn't change as much, the presence of God changes. So therefore, man's relationship with God is incredible. And that's why all Jews in the era of the Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David will be prophets. Every Jew will be a Novi, everyone. Men, women. Uh, and that means you can experience God even though you have a physical body. That's what's going to happen, you see. But you'll still have a physical body. But you'll be able to experience God within the physical in a way <clears throat> which we cannot even begin to comprehend. Like it says in the Novi, Kimolo Ha'orad's Deo and the earth was filled with the knowledge of God, like the waters covers the seabed. That means, and this is what the distinct concept of the Messianic era is, is that while you are still physical, because the reversal process does not start until the year 6000, which is the end of the Messianic era, you will be able to experience God as a physical person. And that is what's called the phenomenon of prophecy. That's what prophecy is. The ability to experience God, even though you're physical. You see. <clears throat> and therefore, in the Messianic era, the presence of God will be experienced by all people. Now, besides that, there's something unique that happens in the Messianic era. Um, but only in the time of Mashiach bin David, not bin Yosef. And that is Tachiyat the resurrection of the dead. And that will make an enormous difference. Because what happens is, the resurrection of the dead takes place 
that means that the body will awaken or arise from the grave without Zohamo, without the input or the projective tumor of the Satan. Why? Uh, because the Satan is still alive in the time of Mashiach ben Yosef. And Mashiach ben Yosef is the individual that ultimately changes the world to a messianic world. That's his job. However, in the messianic world, the Satan is either destroyed or is no longer is removed from his position of Tum'ah, of, of, of enticing people to sin. He's no longer a Yitzhahara, and he's no longer a Malach Hamavet. There's no death, you see, because it is the Zoyamo that kills. But if there's no Zoyamo, nobody dies. There's no sickness, no death, you see. Uh, it's just an incredible place. And what happens, therefore, is a body that has no Zoyamo can experience the presence of God in a way that we cannot even comprehend. And that begins the change. <clears throat> so, the first change, like I say, is the Mashiach bin Yosef. Where all of a sudden you become aware of spirituality, you see. And that begins to change you. And this is Ben Yosef. And somehow the whole consciousness of the Jews and even of Goyim change where the reality of God is now obvious however people still have Zoyamo so what happens next is Mashiach bin David arrives and when he arrives his job is to change the human form which means he removes the Zoyamo which is basically invisible but it inhabits the human body and it is responsible for decomposition. In fact, the whole concept of decomposition is because of Zoyamo. So what happens is that changes. So the human body no longer decomposes. There is no longer death or disease because the Satan is removed totally. But what's interesting is all the people now die whoever hasn't died, and then everybody has to get up. So if you haven't died, you die for two hours. But if you've been dead for, you know, whatever, a thousand years, you also get up. But everybody who now gets up has no Zoyamo. And therefore their ability to prophecy, to experience the divine presence, is unbelievable. <clears throat> you know where you see that? You see that by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, when the Jews left Egypt, you see. And that was the first time in creation, as I mentioned in the Pesach Shia, that the Zoyama was being removed for 49 days. That means after seven days, one-seventh of the Zoyama was removed. And when they stood at Mount Sinai, Har Sinai, they had no Zoyama, you see. And I mentioned what the whole problem then was. But in any case, they had no Zoyamo. And as a result of that, uh, they only had one-seventh removed, which means they had six-sevenths. But one-seventh was removed. And therefore, by Yamsuf, a maidservant, saw more of the Divine Presence. She saw more of the Kabbalistic ideas 
then Yecheskel Hanovi ever saw. And he's the one who introduced the whole concept of Kabbalah in the Maisim Merkava, the story of the Divine Chariot, which is in the second period of Yecheskel, which is the foundational ideas of Kabbalah. Why? Because the reason why she so, was so much, uh, a maidservant, could you imagine everybody else who were Jews? The reason why they were able to experience God in a way which is unparalleled by any of the Nevi'im is because only one-seventh of the Zoyama was removed because Kriya Siamsuf happened on the seventh day. So what do you see? <clears throat> that is what happens in the Messianic era. We will be like that maidservant and like all the Jews that on the seventh day of Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim, Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim, they had one-seventh of the Zoyama removed and therefore they could experience God because they had no Zoyama. So all they had was a pure Nishama in a physical body, you see. And therefore they could experience God in a way which we cannot even comprehend. This is what we will be in the time of Mashiach ben David, you see. But remember, we will still be physical, except we will be able to interact with God in the Messianic era. That's a very important idea, without Zoyamor. But we'll still be physical, and the way we will interact with God is unbelievable prophetic ability, where everybody will be able to experience God and to know the divine secrets, because that's what happens when you experience God, or, or, you know, that, that are accompanied with God Himself. You see? Uh, so you now understand many important ideas. There's the time of Tikkun. There is the time of Mashiach ben Yosef, which removes the Satan and all the Umar Sa'ilam, the nations of the world, which I will get into more next week. And then you have the experiencing in the Mashiach ben David where there is no Zoyamo and as a result of that each person can now experience God in the physical but in a way which we cannot have even comprehend uh, the only parallel to that is the, uh, is the maidservant after, um, at Kriya Shamsuf and then after that the Zikuch begins which is the change in the physical itself so, in Olam Yitzirah, which is the between six and 7,000 year, then everybody will experience God, but not as a physical being, you see. He will experience God with a reversal of the physical. And that goes higher and higher and higher until you get to Olam Habo. And Olam Habo is experience God without any residue of physical, you see. And then God Himself, because you have become a vessel, a keli, to experience God, that will be the greatest experience imaginable. And we have absolutely no idea what that can possibly mean, you see. So you have now seen what's called the overview, the panorama of all the world's tikufait. What happens in the beginning? what happens in the end? You see? It's a very important idea because you now have what's called a beautiful overview, scope, of the totality of the existence of the world 
and its evolution or development into a higher world. Mm-hmm. And you now understand also what the Jews do. As they introduce Zikuch, they allow the Sfirot to incredibly illuminate. And what that does, it begins to change the physical world into a spiritual, which is the opposite of what they did as they created the physical world, in which they diminished their power. You see? And, and this is, therefore, what you now understand. The scope, the panorama of, of, really, of the world history. You understand also exactly what you are in the Messianic era, you see. And you understand the mechanism of how it, do, how it does. Next week, I want to get into the Metakane itself and how it changes. Also, the concept of Svadam and Ashkenazim how that each one is a different metaken and so on. Okay. Any questions? Yeah, Hello? Because we don't really understand what the Sifirot are. Well, nobody knows what they are. We do know what they do. They are a force that can create a reality. So now we're up to number nine of all the forces, and we're waiting to get to number ten. Well, we well, I, I didn't go into the differences, but we are basically influenced by seven of the forces, so and not the not the higher three. But nobody knows what a sphira is. It's some type of a force that God uses. You know, for instance, you know how many how many fingers do you have? Never, anybody's not sure, please look at your hands. Ten. Ten. Why do we have ten fingers? Because we are a model of the creation. And since God has ten sfirot, which are basically his fingers, therefore we have ten fingers. See? Our ten fingers model his ten fingers, so to speak. And his ten fingers are the sfirot. You see? That's why we have ten fingers. And just like we do everything, how do we do everything, right? We do everything be through our fingers, right? And therefore, uh, we, we are the model of the creation, and that's who we model. That's why we are in the image of God. Just like God has ten fingers figuratively, which are the sfirot, we have ten fingers, which in, and that's how we interact with everything, right? We make things, we shape things, Everything we do is without ten fingers, right? Same thing. But we don't know what the nature of the Sfirot are because they are the greatest spiritual things of all. We have no idea. Just like we have no idea what a Malach is. And a Malach is, a Sfirah is infinitely greater than a Malach. A Malach doesn't create anything. A Malach is a messenger. He's an agent of God. A sfirah is a power of God. He uses it to create realities. You know, if you want to look at it, you could say that the sfirot are generators of spiritual energy. Right? Energy. Energy, nobody knows what energy is, right? But we do know that if somebody, if you use energy, it, you know, the only way things move is if you apply energy to it. But nobody knows what energy is, you see? 
But energy is what enables everything to do, to move. Without energy, nothing happens. Right? Same idea. You can look at the Sfirot as pure energy, if you want to look at it that way. And therefore, they can do everything. Just like energy can do everything, and especially Konta Einstein, matter and energy are identical. So energy becomes matter. And matter can be turned back into energy. Even though we know what matter is, but we don't know what energy is. But Einstein said that energy and matter are identical. One is a different form of the other. Just like you have ice and water and steam. You see? Energy and matter are two different forms of the same thing. And we don't know what energy is. And the same thing with the Sfirot. So you can look at the Sfirah, Sfirot as a generator of energy. But the energy that they generate isn't physical. It is spiritual. You see? So I have a question for you. Um, yeah, go ahead. Can you speak louder? Sure. When the Mashiach Ben Yosef comes, um, yes? you said that the Yisod has to connect to the Mahu? Yes. <clears throat> because, I I, I'm, well, that... In, uh, I didn't go into what each one does, but basically the Yisoid are the upper nine. You have nine Sfirot, which is Keser, Chochmah, Bina, Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hoid, and Yisoid. There are triads, three of them each. There are three sets of threes, and Yisoid pours into Malchut. Malchut is a, is a keli. In other words, if you take, for instance, if you take a look at a faucet, the sfirot is like a faucet where one pours into one which pours into the next and the next and so on. But all of them ultimately pour into a vessel. So malchus is a vessel and that vessel is really the shape of Olam Hazer, this world. We, the whole creation really is malchus. You see, so the Sfirot pour, nine of them pour into the last one, which is Malchus, Malchut, and that's ultimately what happens. But the bottom of it, you see, this, what's called the uh, faucet, that's Yisoid, and that's the ninth. And the energy of Yisoid, of the Sfirah of Yisoid, pours into the Sfirah of Malchus, and that is a vessel. So that's what happens. Is ultimately, right now it's blocked. And that's why we don't really experience the future world. But ultimately what will happen is the blockage will be removed and Malchus, uh, I should say Yisoid, will be allowed to pour its energy into Malchus and therefore the energy is like a keli. The water will fill up the vessel and that water, that water is energy, it's a spiritual energy of which we have no idea what it is, but that will change the world. That will create the zikuch, you see. And that zikuch will change the physical world into higher and higher and higher worlds as the years go by. So ultimately speaking, that's what happens. That the Yisoid pours into Malchus, which is the vessel, and the entire Bria is into, is into Malchus. So once the vessel fills up with the energy of Yisoid, 
then everything begins to change in Malchus. And that's the Zikoch. You see? Anything else? So, when, so initially when you said that um, when Mashiach comes, we, we are, we're waiting basically for the Yisod to connect to the Mahu to pour into the Yes. Yes. In fact, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, in order for the Mashiach ben Yosef to become the Mashiach ben Yosef, okay, then the energy of Yisoid has to pour into Malchus. That's called the Pekidah. The Pekidah is when Yisoid pours into Malchus for the first time in history. And that means that uh, when it does, that means the Mashiach ben Yosef becomes the Mashiach ben Yosef. It's when he is appointed or designated. That's what happened when Moshe Rabbeinu went to the Sneh. He became the Mashiach. And then he went to Egypt. That was the Pekida, which the Ramchal talks about in the Sif uh, and Maimagula. And therefore he became Mashiach ben Yosef when the Yisoyit poured into the Malchus. And that was the beginning of his ability to redeem the Jews. Now, that's uh, Mashiach ben Yosef. But for, in order for Mashiach ben David to come, you see, then you need Tiferes, which is above Yisoid, in the middle as a triad, right? That has to now pour its energy into Yisoid. So when, when Tiferes is connected or pours its energy into Yisoid, and Yisoid is pouring its energy into Malchus, that is the release of the Shekhinah into this world. And that is the era of the Mashiach bin David. And that basically, so far, has never really happened. You see. So, we are waiting, so the Kabbalistic sign of Mashiach bin Yosef is when Yisoyit pours into Malchus. In other words, the blockage is removed. But, Mashiach bin David does not come yet. He awaits Tiferet pouring into Yisoyit. And then he is released, and so is the Shekhinah. And the Shekhinah, as manifested the, from Tiferes, enters. Yeah, what? When, when he is released, when David is released, that's the Pekida of Mashiach ben David? That's called the Zechira. It's called the Zechira, correct. Yes. That's the V'yipokeit V'yizokher by Yala V'yavoy. So the first thing is the Pekida, and then the second thing is the Zechira. And they are represented by two different Kabbalistic events. But the repercussions of that is Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. And that begins the process where the Divine Presence now can unite with the physical world. But there's no Zikuch. The world does not change. What does change is all those things that are a result of the Zoyam of the Satan, basically, which is decomposition. Everything degrades, everything dies. You see, that's called decomposition. <clears throat> that's all a result of the Zoyam. So the main idea of Mashiach ben Yosef and ben David 
is the removal of the Zoyamo to allow the Divine Presence to fully interact with the physical universe. And of course, that's going to change nature. You see, because nothing decomposes. Foods do not rot. Right? Nothing spoils. Because all of it is a result of Zoyamo. You see? So that's why everything will be unbelievably perfect. You see? Food will never spoil. Nobody dies. Nobody gets sick. All hospitals shut down. The whole field of medicine disappears. Not only that, but all of a sudden in that, because the presence of God is so revealed to each Jew, then each Jew will have hundreds of goyim as his servants. Like it says in the Navi, you know, ten goyim from the different nations will hold the garment of a Jew because they're going to say to a Jew, we have heard that God is with you, and which he is. Because now the Jewish neshama is now open to experiencing God in a way that only a Novi can do. But they'll be much greater than the Viam. In fact, the average person in the time of Mashiach bin David will be a Novi probably as great as Moshe Rabbeinu. There will be no difference in the Vua, you see. Because then God will reveal himself to everybody equally. Now, could you imagine being a Novi as great as Moshe Rabbeinu? No, you can't. We have no idea what his Nevu'ah was. But that's what will happen. You see? So, we are looking forward to an unbelievable time, which I believe is coming up very quickly. Very quickly. How quickly? How quickly? Well, I told you the Zohar, right? That the 210 years before the year 6000, which is the English year 2030, you'll have Tchayat HaMesim. But in order to have Tchayat HaMesim, you have to have Mashiach bin David. But in order to have Mashiach bin David, you have to have the end of Galut, where everybody goes to Eretz Israel, and everybody has the Beit HaMikdash, right? And that's Mashiach bin Yosef. You see? So imagine if in nine and a half years you will have Mashiach bin David. Wouldn't that be incredible? See, that's based on the Zohar. And that is one of the reasons why you are seeing such unbelievable acceleration of current events. Like every day there's something new. <clears throat> you know, and all of this is necessary <clears throat> to begin the process. And the real beginning of the process, the Gula, which is called Aschalte de Gula, is Mashiach ben Yosef. You know? Because that's the same thing with the Sneh. The real beginning of the Yitziat Mitzrayim was when Moshe Rabbeinu, when God spoke to Moshe by the Sneh. Even though it got much more worse and so on, but that was the real beginning of the Gula. And that can happen any day. You see, any day, whoever is Mashiach bin Yosef. You see? And that's what's going to happen. Rabbi, so the, yes. the Klippah of the Mashiach bin David, 
we still think is with the Shekhinah, correct? The, the what? The Klippah? Yeah, the, like Mashiach ben David, did he, did, did, he stuck it with the Shekhinah underground, correct? <coughs> with the Kelipot? Well, Mashiach ben David is surrounded by Klippot, yes. And that so, does not allow him to be free. And the same thing with Mashiach ben Yosef. Right. So when, when, uh, what it has to happen for David to be able to be released? The Tikkun. So Yosef That's what has to do his job what? first, and then David could get released from the Klippot? Say that again. Mashiach ben Yosef has to do his yeah. job first, and then um, Mashiach ben David could get released from the Kilipot? Yes, yeah. So the the first one that's released is Mashiach ben Yosef. Hmm? The releasing of the Kilipot of David is called Zechira? Yes, yeah. When the Zechira happens, then he is released from the Kilipot, which really means that he gets the uh, Yechida, which is a certain, the highest level of Nishama. And the Shekhinah is also released, because remember, God does not interact with the world the way he could. In a certain sense, the light or the energy of God itself is surrounded by a klipa. Not literally, but God voluntarily submits to blockage, because that God is also in Galut. As he says, all, everybody's in Galut, even God. And Galut simply means that you, can, you, you do not manifest your talents and abilities and your power openly or totally. It's all concealed, you see. And ultimately, when the, when the God, when the Gula begins, all those Klipot will dissolve with the death of the Zayama, with the death of the Satan, and then everything will just shine the way, you know, we have never seen that. So Look, Rabbi, the redemption remember, is... Remember yeah? when we told you about that, um, that article that said that um, Shabbat Chazon, the Gematria was Tavshin Pei, and then the Shabbat yeah. Av also was, was Tavshin Pei, and... There's yes. a lot of things uh, associated with Tisha B'Av that was Tafshin Pei. You said, yes. you said possibly that's the releasing of the Klippa of Mashiach ben David. Yeah, uh, well, ben Yosef. Oh, ben Yosef, you meant. Yes, yeah. So once, Ma- once Yosef gets released his Klippa, then if he's already living, he starts getting the Oro, and that's when he could start doing his job? Yes, correct. He can do his job when he is released from the klipah. <clears throat> it's like Moshe Rabbeinu. Right. Until the snare, all he could do is be a shepherd. Right. What could he do? Right. But when God appeared to him, right, at the snare, that was the pekido. And therefore he was messianic. He had the ability to redeem the Jews. You see, in other words, he would have unbelievable hatzlacha. Just like it says by Ben Yosef. And everything he did, God made him successful. That's the magic touch of the Mashiach ben Yosef. But that can only happen when he's released from the Klippa. Um, so Rabbi, I have a question. So what we yeah. were talking about today, how we're going to change realities from 
the Asiyah all the way to Olam Haba? Yes. That, do we get up to the Keter in Olam Haba? Like, does yes, yes, Keter? exactly. In other words, the, 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 the Sfirah, all the Sfirot below Keter disappear. Disappear? Yes. Wow. Well, you have to understand, Keter, Keter itself has ten Sfirot. What, what it means is that the Sfirah that illuminates totally, all the Sfirot illuminate, but they're much lower in degree. Keter includes, has the energy of all of them combined, you see. So what happens is that the one that now illuminates or generates its energy is Keter. And we have no idea what that means. Because that is the greatest force that God has ever created. And the Keter is the dominant Sfirah in Oilam Habo. You see? Does the, yeah. does the yeah. fast next week have anything to do with anything? Like, does it have any connection to anything we're learning? Say that again. The what? The fast. The what? Tammuz. I'm, I'm not hearing you. The fast of Shiva Sarbet Tammuz. Oh, the fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, does it have any connection? To yeah, sure. Yeah. We I mean, I, I, I asked this question... What are the two greatest days? What are the two greatest um, days of destruction ever known? You know what they are? What? Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av? Yeah. No. No, not really. Can you guess? No, we have no idea. Okay, the first day was Rosh Hashanah, because that's when Adam fell. Right? Say that again. The first day, which was the greatest destruction, is Rosh Hashanah, because that's when Adam was tested and he failed. Hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. People don't think of it that way, but that's really what it is. Rosh Hashanah is the, is the greatest destructive day. That was the first one. Do you know what the second one is? Rachel Who? When Moshe broke the lucha. Very good, Rachel. What day was that? When? There you are. Rachel got it right. Exactly. Why? Because those luchas rishonis was the Or Mashiach. That was the messianic rite. In fact, Moshe Rabbeinu should have been Mashiach. So when he failed because of the Chet Regal, that was it was that was the first chance the world had to metaken to correct the sin of Adam Arishon. and they failed because of the Chet Regal. Therefore, Shiva Asab Tammuz is the second greatest day of destruction because both days Rosh Hashanah and Shiva Tammuz were days when mankind fell completely. You see? Yeah. So you begin to understand what Shiva Asabatamas is. 
that it, it, like I say, it's the greatest destructive day. Much worse than than Shiva than the, uh, um, Tisha B'av. Why? Because Tisha B'av is what. Beit Hamikdash was destroyed. Yeah, Beit Hamikdash. Okay. But Shiva Sabatamuz meant that there was no Mashiach. Moshe Rabbeinu, who should have been the Mashiach, should have been the Mashiach, almost didn't make it. Now, could you imagine? Is it, and the Mashiach would be the Gula. Moshe Rabbeinu and Mashiach ben Yosef. Could you imagine? That would, that would have changed the whole history of the universe. The whole history. So, in terms of the consequences, the two greatest days of damage was Rosh Hashanah, because that changed man from a spiritual being to a completely physical, and it introduced the whole Hester and the Klippa and so on, and Shiva Sabatamuz, that destroyed the Gula, because that's what was supposed to be on Shiva Sabatamuz. You see? Tisha B'av is, we are already in the state of physical, so it merely destroyed the Beit HaMikdash. See, most people don't realize that. They think Tisha B'av is the worst, but it's not true. You see? So, so Isn't Rabbi, that interesting? It is very interesting. How come? How come they 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 um they make the sefirot connected uh, parts of the body? Well, that that's a long lecture because we are a model of the bria, and there are ten sefirot. Therefore, there are ten areas of the body that represent each sefirah. The reason why is because we are a model. We are a model that duplicates the Svirot. Yes. That's the image of God, if you think about it. Because the image of God is really the ten Svirot. And the way they are shaped, their configuration, is the same shape as the human body. Head, right arm, left arm, torso, right leg, left leg, genital region you see that mirrors the um, the Sfirot uh, so if you want to look at it in a certain way a human being is an exact replica of the ten Sfirot in the way they are shaped that's the image of God so in other words if you could take the Sfirot and make it human or make it give it a human form, it would look exactly like a man. In fact, I'll tell you one more thing. You want to hear? Yes. What is the name of God that we cannot pronounce? Yudke Vavke, right? Yes. Yes? Yes. Yes. Okay, now imagine this. Write a Yud. Yes? Yes. Underneath the yud, write a hay. Okay. Underneath the hay, write a vav. And underneath the vav, write, write another hay. Look like. Doesn't that look like a stick figure of a man? Huh. The yud is the, is, the, is the head. The hay looks like the shoulders and two arms, right? The vov is his torso, right? Right. And the hay is the two legs. 
Isn't that interesting? Beautiful. Yeah, isn't it? So you're looking at uh, uh, you're t- looking at a stick figure of a human. Yud K Vov K, written down like Chinese, right? Down, right? You're looking at a stick figure of a human being. Because we are a model of God. That's the concept of Tzalem Elohim. You see? Yeah. Okay. That's great. Okay, I hope I've enlightened you. You did, you have. We loved it. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, uh, you know, listen, you know, as you keep hearing these kind of shurim, you know, if you review the ideas, you know, you're going to know far more than most people. Yeah, the goal. You know? I don't know if you realize that. But you'll not only have more information, but you'll have much greater clarity in the information itself. Rabbi, can we learn the Kabbalah about this book? I can't hear you. You sound very far away. Hold on one second. Can we learn the, the Kabbalah about the Sefirot? Oh, that's what I'm doing. Oh, this is Kabbalah that we learned? Yeah. yeah. Of course. Oh, good. It doesn't have any more secrets that we want to know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to continue with the Kabbalah, right? But you've got to start somewhere. So what does this have to do with the Sephardic and Ashkenaz today? Well, I'm, this will lead into that. Oh, it's going to lead? As, as you will see. Look, every, in order to know something, there's a process. You've got to start from the beginning... You move on, and ultimately all the pieces come together, right? Yes. Same idea. In order to understand something fully, you need to have a beginning where you are introduced to the main ideas, the overview. And then you begin to put in the pieces. You ever put together a jigsaw puzzle? Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, and, and so that is. This, this, this she was very Kabbalistic. One question, Rabbi. Yeah? When they do have the resurrection of the dead, if we come back in Gilgulim, what body wakes up if we were, if the same Neshama was in three different bodies, let's say? The answer to that is you come back in the body or the Gilgul that you did the greatest Tikkun. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. if you did more tikkun 300 years ago, you're going to get up the way you looked 300 years ago. But I don't worry, they'll still know who you are. That's what I'm asking, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, because nobody's going to know who in the world is this, right? No, they'll know who you are, because in some way you radiate your identity. Except you look different. 